and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Nigeria from On Purpose Magazine, and today we have with us Dr. Robert Nagorny. How are you doing, doctor? Oh, very well, thanks. Yeah, you know, we're pleased to have you on today. Um, a uh, PR notice came out to me about a uh, new clinical uh, study, which doubles response rate in patients with advanced lung cancer. Personalized treatment for lung cancer comes of age. That's the the title of it, and uh, I, when I read through it, I, it was very interesting, and I wanted to get you on to speak about it today because it looks like this is some great news. Um, for people who don't know uh, Dr. Robert Sigourney, uh, in addition to his position as medical and laboratory director at Rational Therapeutics, um, Dr. Nagorny is an instructor of pharmacology at the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. He is a board-certified or he is board certified in internal medicine, medical oncology, and hematology. Uh, you're a native of Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, as we were speaking about earlier. And uh, Dr. Nagorny completed his undergraduate education at Boston University, earning a BA in chemistry, summa cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa, and with distinction in biochemistry. He received his medical degree at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, where he was a university scholar. After completing his residency in internal medicine at the University of California, Irvine, Dr. Nagorny received a fellowship training in medical oncology at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. He went on to complete a second fellowship at hematology at Scripps Institute in La Jolla, California, where he was the recipient of the Scripps Institute Young Investigator Award. And with more than 20 years' experience in human tumor primary uh, culture analysis, Dr. Nagorny has also authored more than 100 manuscripts uh, book chapters and abstracts, including publications in the Journal of Clinical Oncology, Gynecological Oncology, and the Journal of National Cancer Institute. Uh, Dr. Gorney, welcome today. We really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, now, I'm not a doctor, so I, I, I'm sure I'll screw it all up. What is the significance of this study, first of all, and uh, why is it so important? Well, um, we chose lung cancer because it is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. And the disease itself usually presents with advanced disease. That is, it's beyond the scope of a surgeon to remove it. When mm -hmm. that occurs in the majority of the patients, the options are more limited, and most patients now require some form of chemotherapy. Those are chemical treatments, injections, and pills that are used to control the disease. Mm -hmm. We thought that since this disease kills so many people, has a survival, a five-year survival that's basically unchanged in five decades. I mean, there's been really no progress in this disease. And, and only 14% of people overall who were diagnosed with this disease are alive in five years. We thought we've got to be able to do a better job here. So this seemed like an ideal disease for us. What we did was use this technique that we've helped develop. It's a platform, a laboratory model, that takes the patient's own cancer out of their body, place it, places it into an incubator, and examines under several days of exposure how the cancer cells from each patient might respond to a drug or a combination of drugs. 
We can study the ability of these drugs to cause the cancer cells to die in short-term culture. And amongst the drugs that we choose, those that kill the most cells, those that are the most effective, were, in this study, the drugs that we chose to give the patient. And, and just to point out, these are the same drugs that are FDA-approved, that are listed by all of the insurers as approved for administration. These would be fully reimbursed by any patient needing them. The only thing we did different was to take that same deck of cards, reshuffle it for each patient, and come up uh, over two-thirds or about two-thirds of the time with winning combinations. It, it really is, we think, a very interesting piece of work. Well, you know, um, one of the breakthroughs of your underlying success, uh, according to what I've read, is um, one of the things is, is studying um, the cells in their natural state. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you say that you're taking yeah. the patient's own yeah. cells? Well, the issue is that, that for many years, people have been trying to unravel the mystery of cancer. And more and more, we've taken to look at cancer as a cell, an errant cell. That is, there's some mutation or something that causes one cell to go awry, and then it has offspring, and ultimately it overtakes the body. And that has given rise to our great fascination with the human genome and, and the genetic elements that make cancers tick. We believe that there's a great deal of information to be had from the genetic analysis, but in point of fact, cancer is not a cell, but really an, a, an aberrant community of cells that draw upon blood vessels and utilize interactions with their stroma, which are the structures, the latticework in which cells live, and draw upon the immune cells that are present within the cancer environment and also draw upon one another so that the cancer system, as it were, is more than just a cell, more than just a gene. It's a biological ecosystem. And, and that's really part of what we've done is we've developed the way to study cancer in its natural ecosystem and compare and contrast drug effects in that environment. So you're saying for the most part the gene profiling of the disease was a, was a failure? Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. gene profiling is wonderfully effective if you can find a discrete gene, a particular single entity, or a collection of one or two genes that drive the behavior. I mean, for example, why is a person criminal? Why is someone a criminal? Why are they a bank robber? Well, you could say, well, it might be because they carry a criminal gene. But, to, I mean, I don't think there's any that's found a criminal gene. You know, we, we can't say that this cancer cell is because of a gene. Only in discrete abnormalities, for example, this disease called um, chronic myelogenous leukemia, and this is associated with a very specific gene that is, is very uh, recognizably the cause of the cancer. And when you have that one gene, you can take a drug and be cured. The trouble is that's the only example, the only example of a truly gene-driven therapy that worked. All the rest of them work briefly, result in mutations that, and, and changes in the cells and their environment that escape the effect, and with the exception of imatinib-related drugs for chronic myelogenous leukemia, we don't have any other magic bullets, certainly not for lung cancer. Okay, and I jumped over the importance of the study um, when I asked you a question. Uh, by taking these um, the, cancer, the patient's cancer cells and by using uh, the FDA-approved chemotherapy drugs and, and testing them, what is the percentage, uh, or, or um, I'm not even sure what the best question to ask is, how is this making it better to treat? Is, is there a percentage of patients that do better, or are you able to do better with the drugs? Can you explain that? Well, um, 
if a patient arrives at their doctor today and they have advanced lung cancer and, and they need chemotherapy, the physicians who are very trained in this field will go to the literature and review the best findings. And probably the best results ever reported for this disease in this setting is a combination of carboplatin, one drug, Taxol, a second drug, both combined with a third drug called Avastin. So the combination of carboplatin, taxol, and avastin has become a very, very standard treatment. And, but there are others, you know, carboplatin and, and uh, olympta, carboplatin and gemcitabine. These are all combinations that might be considered. The best results to date in the published literature from the New England Journal of Medicine provided a uh, response rate of 35%. That means basically one out of three patients would get better, and the remaining two-thirds did not. What we said was, well, you know, is it possible that some of the people who are getting this combination would do better with one of the other ones? Is it possible that we could, we could mix and match the treatments more effectively and put people on just the right treatment for them, a sort of recipe that's designed for their particular treatment tailored to their need? And by doing that, taking, you know, the gemcitabine versus the Olympta, whatever, we actually had 64.5% response rate. So we, we just about doubled the response rate for the best uh, treatment outcomes in the literature, we now have twice as many people better. And in addition, even more importantly, that same study that is re reported in the New England Journal of Medicine, a very prominent journal, that same study provided a, a, a survival, an, an average survival of about 13 months, which doesn't sound very compelling. In our study, it's over 21 months. So again, a near doubling of the survival and near doubling of the response rate just by doing this more intelligently. Well, this begs the question, at least with me, uh, to two things, and that is, uh, and we're basing this on quality of, of life a little bit. You know, we all know that, uh, or we all hear that chemotherapy drugs, and when you go on chemotherapy, it's very hard on the body. So by using the correct drugs, does that ease some of that, uh, the chemotherapy and, and, and what it can do to you? Well, to some degree, um, what we now realize is that chemotherapy releases the cell to die. It, it's, it's not really so much that it stops cancer from growing. It actually allows the cell to go down the pathway of programmed cell death, which is something we've discovered in recent decades. Now, when you take drugs that are toxic and poisonous and you're sick, you know, you've already got lung cancer and you're already feeling poorly, if you take drugs that aren't working very well, then you're suffering toxicity on top of being ill. And that's a kind of double whammy that makes many cancer patients not only not better, but actually worse, because if two-thirds of people are getting treatments today that don't work, that means that two-thirds of people have a serious illness and a serious toxicity. When, right. on the other hand, you turn that equation around and you get two-thirds of the people getting drugs that work, almost immediately the patients start feeling better. Now, I can't avoid some of the side effects of chemotherapy. We didn't reinvent chemotherapy here. We just right. use it better. But in point of fact, what we find is that when we're using the right treatment, patients almost immediately come back to see us a week or two or three or four later, and they're gaining weight, and they're breathing better, and the pain is gone, and, and all the stuff that we associate with their cancer. Now, now again, if the drug causes side effects like nausea, we do our best to prevent that, but I can't stop that from happening just because I chose the drug. Similarly, right. I can't stop someone from losing hair if that's a side effect of the drug, but at least the, the patient's loss of hair or, or malaise or whatever they're suffering is in the service of a good outcome two out of three times. Well, that, that, that sounds incredible, and uh, it's definitely a, a breakthrough in something to, to, that 
gives hope to a lot of uh, lung cancer patients. How does this does this uh, work with other forms of cancer? Or has it not been tested, or can or do you believe it will? Actually, it works for all forms of cancer. Lung cancer has been our most recent target. But prior to lung cancer, we discovered a treatment that is the curative therapy for a rare form of leukemia. We uh, developed one of the most widely used treatments for lymphoma. After those two uh, studies were published in the 90s, I went on to study um, advanced breast cancer and developed a treatment that today is considered one of the best uh, regimens for breast. We applied that same regimen in ovarian and have now uh, developed a treatment that's gone all the way through FDA approval for recurrent ovarian cancer. And all of those things were done in the early part of this uh, past decade, 2003, 2006. And then finally, in, in the middle of this past decade, I got really interested in lung. I think it's a, it's a, a brilliant opportunity to meaningfully improve outcomes. So we decided to take on lung cancer, and, and this has been the result. And, and now, oddly, I'm, I'm kind of strangely changing gears a little bit, and I'm very interested in pancreatic cancer, and we're really focusing on using this approach and hoping to publish studies in pancreas. We think that each disease uh, in its time will, will be bettered by this approach. Well, because of my formerly nicotine-stained fingers, we were very happy to have good news on lung cancer. And I understand uh, that uh, lung cancer obviously attributed to smoking uh, for the most part, but um, we keep hearing about more and more cases of people getting lung cancer that haven't smoked. Do we know what causes that, or do we have any idea? Uh, yes. Um, lung cancer is increasingly showing up uh, in non-smokers. And the particular forms of lung cancer we're encountering seem to be driven by uh, changes in the cell that might be targets for therapy. For example, there is a common form of, uh, well, relatively common form of lung cancer in non-smoking women driven by a, a genetic change that can be treated with a pill, and several of the patients on our study were candidates for that pill, and we identified their treatments and treated them, and one of them is now alive eight years later, and another one I just saw today is alive six years later, and the beauty of what we did is, before anyone knew what drove those patients, you know, before anyone had a gene test, which is now available, we were able to pick these winners before the gene tests were developed. So, so the model that we use gives you answers, even if you don't know what the question is. They, they, it tells you what to give and then someone else can go back and decide what caused it. Now, the cancer that you're talking about, these non-smoking individuals, are showing up in other types of cancers. There's a, there's a genetic abnormality called the ALK, ALK, ALK gene rearrangement, and that is showing up sometimes in young male uh, non-smokers, and there's a new treatment for that. So we're slowly uh, digging our way through lung cancer. It's no longer lung cancer, but a series of different forms of lung cancer, some of which will be best treated by simple pills, others of which require stronger chemotherapies. And, and while I have you here, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, alternative uh, and uh, complementary uh, treatments, uh, stem cells, and some of the new breakthroughs with stem cells. Are these helping? Are these things that you guys recommend also to your patients? Well, I think that when we speak of complementary care, <clears throat> it's a, a little bit of a grab bag. But in fact, if you think through what, what that really represents, a good part of modern life has diverged and departed from what we were designed to do. That is, we have been in evolution for hundreds of thousands of years, yet in the last several decades, our diet, our lifestyle, 
our environmental exposures, have all become very different. And our bodies can't evolve quickly enough to respond to the new stresses that we have largely put them in. For example, you could even look at things like uh, uh, day uh, and uh, light and day exposure or dietary factors or the sedentary lifestyle. And so mm -hmm. I think in a way, complementary care, when, when we think about it, is really maybe trying to return people to a more natural lifestyle, to a more natural diet. And, and I think that's very valuable. I also think that micronutrition, which is very popular, and antioxidants, that sort of stuff, is clearly recapturing probably foodstuffs and dietary intakes that were part of our, 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 our prior uh, diets. Uh, you know, we ate dozens of species of plants in the past. Now, it's hard for most people to think of more than five or six foods that they eat from vegetables. So we're we're, you know, we're, we're probably doing ourselves a great deal of harm in the same way mankind used to walk around a lot. You know, we used to walk places. Now we get in cars and, and, and we sit and watch television. A lot of things we do are probably harming us. So that's part of it. The complementary care from a standpoint of a massage therapy or aromatherapy or, or other things, you know, I think anything that makes a person with cancer feel better is a good thing. And if, and if a pleasant aromas or, or massage or, or other whatever uh, is, a, is, is something that would, would complement their well-being, then I'm, I'm very much in favor of it. Well, that's really good to know. Um, so let's talk about uh, you're the founder of uh, Rational Therapeutics, and, uh, and that, where is that located, first of all? We're located in Long Beach, California, um, just about uh, 20 miles from Los Angeles proper. And uh, we are uh, situated near uh, a large medical center where uh, much of our uh, patient care is delivered at the Memorial Medical Center in Long Beach. Uh, I have a freestanding institute which enables me to evaluate patients. We uh, usually see patients from uh, a wide variety of places. In fact, I just saw a patient this past week from New Delhi, India. I regularly have patients from Brazil. And we, we evaluate what site in this patient could be biopsied or aspirated uh, to give us cancer cells. And, and when we meet the patient, we go over their case very carefully. We examine all their studies and x-rays and lab results. We make a determination as to how we might get at some tissue. And then we perform the laboratory analysis, what we call an ex vivo, which means out of the body, mm -hmm. analysis of programmed cell death, which is the process by which cancer cells involute and die. So taking the tissue from the patient, placing it in a test tube, and then exposing it to drugs in different combinations, we find that match for the patient. Now, I don't want to say it's perfect. There are some patients for whom we can't get a biopsy. There are some patients who aren't well enough to take treatment. Uh, there are some patients for whom no good drug turns up on our, on our panel. I mean, we sometimes just can't find the answer. And right. so those are all, you know, issues to consider. I don't want to say that this is a perfect test, but certainly for family members of mine who have developed cancer, I strongly, strongly insist that we get involved in their care and help them. Well, you know, uh, since you're in Long Beach, and not every lung cancer patient can come visit you probably, uh, uh, is it possible for their doctors, uh, you know, for the doctors that are working with the patients that hear about this and want to uh, find out more, for their doctors to find out more and to uh, work with you to, to help them out in this situation? Oh, absolutely. I would say the majority of our studies are actually conducted on patients that we don't meet. And these are the people in Cincinnati or Chicago or New York who have surgery scheduled. They're going to be undergoing a ovarian cancer removal or a breast surgery, and their doctor can place a portion of that sterile tissue 
into our culture media, and we have overnight couriers bring it to us. We then process, study, and report one week later to the doctors. And we have patients, as I mentioned, I have a patient from New Delhi. She actually uh, processed the tissue in New Delhi, India, had it sent to me back in January of this past year, and we came up with a combination, and her response was so dramatic that she and her whole family came to visit us just I don't know why exactly, except to just thank us for helping them. And here she was in remission six months later. This is just this past January, and she was sitting across from me looking perfectly well uh, after having multiply recurrent ovarian cancer that people were having difficulty treating. So, yes, we can certainly process samples from afar. Oh, that's wonderful to know. So uh, I believe your website is called rational-t.com. Am I correct? Rational Therapeutics, we have a, a, the website, Rational Therapeutics. You can Google us. You can Google my name, Robert Nagorny. And, and yes, our, uh, you can reach us at Rational. I'm uh, on that website, uh, R. Nagorny, at uh, rational-not underscore, but dash oh. t.com. We are uh, very happy to provide information. We uh, recommend people go on our website, uh, the Rational Therapeutics website. Uh, and, and examine, you know, our, our uh, uh, data, our publications. Um, there are many patient testimonials. We try to make it approachable for patients. So different diagnosis, pancreas cancer or lung cancer or ovary cancer or, or breast cancer. So patients can go on and find someone who has their disease and can kind of go through their story and see, see how we've managed it. Well, that's wonderful to know. So we're speaking today. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine. We're speaking with Dr. Robert A. Nagorny, M.D., uh, of Rational Therapeutics. That's uh, www.rational-t.com. And let me spell your last name, Robert. That's N as in Nick, A-G-O-U-R-N-E-Y. So you want to Google him up and uh, get more information, uh, certainly go to the site. I've been to your site. It's a, it's a great site. Um, Thanks. And find out more information about this. This, this I'm, I'm actually talking to you on the 5th. I think this this is all being made uh, public on uh, October 8th, is that correct? Right. The paper of this particular study will be published uh, in a few days. That's great. I appreciate getting some... I, I, I got a scoop here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doctor, listen, I really appreciate your, your time. I know you're very busy, and, um, and I know a lot of, is happening over this weekend. So uh, I really appreciate your time. I'd like to give you the parting word on... Um, if, if you're going through, obviously, if you're going through uh, cancer and lung cancer, especially since it is a, a, such a tough one, uh, you've got to be scared. You've got to be confused at all the information that's out there. Could you give us the last word on what people need to know and how you, what you, this study, uh, might be able to help them uh, have a little hope? I'll, I'll give you a, a, sort of an anecdote, and, and it's a favorite one of mine. I have a very charming patient who came to me presented with involvement in the brain. I mean, had a, you know, a seizure and was diagnosed by a CAT scan. She was perfectly well. And the next thing you know, she has a seizure. She's in the hospital. They do studies and find lung cancer in many places. She came to see me ready to take chemotherapy and was preparing really to die. And I met her. We did a biopsy and we found a perfect treatment for her. And I, and I sat down and looked across from her and I said that I can help her. And she burst into tears and was, and was so emotionally distressed. How could this possibly be? Everyone said I was going to die. I said, do you feel like you're going to die? She said, no. I said, well, you know, you aren't really that ill. You're actually well. You just happen to have lung cancer. 
And in point of fact, she's now four years in remission. She looks the picture of health. You can probably find her story on our website. She's celebrating her fourth year. So what I say to lung cancer patients or any cancer patient is if they feel well and they look well, they are not dying. It's not that they're so ill. They just have this particular problem. And we, as good oncologists, have to address that problem and get them back to their life. That's the way I'd like to see this disease. Well, that's phenomenal. We are speaking to Dr. Robert A. Nagorny, MD of Rational Therapeutics, um, about the new study, uh, doubling response rate in patients with advanced lung cancer. Um, I really appreciate your time again, doctor. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to wish everybody a great day and even a better tomorrow. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group. And this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.